I'm Javed Nixon, President and CEO of Point Global Marketing, and you're tuned to Your Business Matters, a podcast brought to you by Exim Bank and hosted by Enika Watkins Portal. Your Business Matters brings thought leaders together on thought-provoking ideas every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on your favorite podcast app. You have questions and they have the answers. When you speak, we listen. We listen to all your stories. About how your business was started. Including how you chose the name. The location. And every step along the journey to make it applicable to the problems you solve every day. Within these stories, we have also listened to your cries for help. The narrative surrounding limited cash flow. Extended payment terms for buyers who just can't meet your 30-day credit term this month. Next month. And the month after that. We understand trying to add value along a value chain that is dynamic and ever-changing. We are here to help because your stories are the reason we exist. And because we know that sometimes you need credit quickly, we have created Exim Express Receivables Financing so that your most important jobs get done. With a turnaround time of seven days and up to 75% of your receivables covered with no collateral or financials needed, you know you're in good hands. Exim Bank, by helping businesses, we save lives and And livelihood. Before we get into today's discussion, I have invited Winston Lawson, business development consultant at Exim Bank Jamaica, to share about the reset initiative of Exim Bank. Welcome, Winston. Thank you very, very, very much. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Now, what is the reset program? What does reset mean? So, so the acronym is Rebuild engage and stimulate our economy together rebuild engage and stimulate Stimulate our economy economy together together. right together we are in this we are in this together we're building back stronger together and better and and, and i like that initiative um you know of exim bank so first of all what is this program all about well it's you know exim as the national exim bank of jamaica we, we have a, an obligation, really, to ensure that the economy is doing well. That's a, that's, a, that's a fundamental obligation that we have. We want to ensure that the economy is, is doing well. And we do this by ensuring that our businesses within the economy does well. Our mandate is to lend provide financial solutions to to small and medium enterprises within the within the economy and to ensure that they have access to funds access to to fund their operations so that they can either be viable or be very competitive because they are the drivers pretty much of a buoyant economy so Mm -hmm. let us start there our role is to ensure that that is happening. We are cognizant that we are in a pandemic. Um, hopefully the worst is behind us. And so in carrying out our mandate in the context of what has been happening as a pandemic, we recognize that there has to be a larger effort 
on our part to assist with recovery, to assist with a rebuilding, to assist with, you know, as we said, the reset is stimulating back the economy to bring back some sort of vibrancy, some sort of buoyancy within the economy. So it's a, it's a program that we have put together, not us alone, let me say, it also involves the uh, JAMPRO, it also involves uh, JBDC, um, but all within the umbrella of our own ministry, which is the Ministry of Investment, Commerce, uh, Industry. Um, okay. So the reset really is a broad program. Within that program, Exim will provide some financial solutions. Jampro provides the marketing connections for those organizations, and JBDC will provide some technical support within that umbrella program. Reset, reset as it relates to Exim providing financing, there is a particular loan that we have also put together that we have called the reset loan. This particular loan is made available now to those SMEs within the economy, within the productive sector of the economy, is made available to them at extremely low cost. And when I say low cost, I'm, re I'm referring to the, to the interest rate um, because that reset loan is provided directly to the SME at 4.75% in Jamaican dollars. Mm -hmm. and, and, and yes, you have heard correctly, it is 4.75% in Jamaican dollars. That rate is not available anywhere in any loan market in the entire world, right? So this was put together specifically to assist with the recovery efforts within the economy, bearing in mind what has been happening. That sounds um, fantastic. I want to know from you now, Winston, who are some of these target groups, those target categories that you are catering to for this program? So again, so... Exim's mandate is really to businesses, businesses within the economy, and its mandate is businesses within the economy that are in the productive sector, right? So it has to be in the productive sector. However, we do have flexibility where we can move along what we call the value chain. So if there are businesses that supply those businesses in the productive sector, we also can capture them as our target. Right. And finally, where can persons go to learn more about this amazing initiative by the Exim Bank, as well as your partners, other partner uh, agencies? All right. Um, so our website is always there. Um, we, you, you can also... Um, and the website is... I'm sorry. The <laughs> website would be eximbankja.com. Correct. And I, I always give my own number, um, 876-470-9835. You can get me on WhatsApp. Um, you know, I certainly always get me on WhatsApp. That's a certainty. And I will always respond to you. 
All right. Thank you so much, Winston Lawson, for sharing with me today about the reset program of Exim Bank Jamaica. Welcome to Exim Bank's Your Business Matters. I am your host, Henneke Watkins-Porter. Of course, on this show, we continue to bring you thought leaders together with thought-provoking ideas and methods on business matters to help grow your business. Entrepreneurs enter into business partnerships for several reasons, some of which include combined skills and knowledge, increased resources, more business capital, and of course, tax benefits. According to entrepreneur.com, 80% of business partnerships fail. So how do I ensure my business stays in the fortunate 20%? The same article stated that partners complement each other best when they possess a skill that each other lacks, but not much on how to handle business conflict when it arises. Business partners and shareholders alike must work toward the same business goals and be in agreement on the strategies which will be used to achieve them. Former CEO of Walt Disney stated, and I quote, It is rare to find a business partner who is selfless. If you're lucky, it happens once in a lifetime, end quote. Working with partners who provide more problems than solutions can be detrimental to the business life, not to mention annoying. When you're just starting out in a business, it is easy to forge business partners. It is easy to forge business relationships with just about anyone who will give you the time of day. Later, only to find that you are at the end of your rope with your current business partner or board of directors. So is the problem fixable or should you call it quits? Is there a collision of values, of your personal values with business decisions you're being asked to take? Well, if you're asking these questions, it is a clear sign that it is time to evaluate the status quo. In today's episode of Your Business Matters, we explore the topic, collision of values. Should I stay for the sake of the business? What really happens when business partners are not seeing eye to eye on a business deal or in general? When is enough really enough? To take us through the discourse are communications expert and emotional intelligence coach, Monique Russell, and founder, Abenity, a six times Inc. 5000 company, Brian Roland. Welcome, lady and gentlemen. Thank you, Hanika. Absolutely. No, you heard me say all of that stuff. Like, you know, I've gone on and on saying a whole lot, giving you a whole lot to chew on. But before you really come in on the topic itself, I want you to tell me about, you know, what's your claim to fame, really? Um, tell us a little bit about what you do and what your business does. So I'll go. Um, I'm Monique Russell. I'm here in the Atlanta, Georgia area from the beautiful islands of the Bahamas and also Nigeria. And I run a company, Clear Communication Solutions, which is all about training, coaching and consulting leaders and teams how to have positive and productive relationships at home and at work. I'm also a professional speaker, author of the book, Intentional Motherhood, Who Said It Would Be Easy?, and the host of the Bridge to You podcast. 
Thank you, Monique. Now over to you, Brian. That's a tough act to follow right there. The, uh, <laughs> my name is Brian Roland. I'm the founder of Abenity. We run corporate perks and benefit programs for companies such as MasterCard and U.S. Bank and HCA Healthcare. We have released a small business plan for companies with less than 150 employees to get the same perks as the big guys that we've been doing for over a decade. We, we did that with a fully remote team and a social mission fighting extreme poverty um, in specifically Senegal, Africa is where we're doing most of our work. We just crossed the $1 million of giving through that mission. And it's been a fantastic journey for us. And I'm, and I'm speaking a lot on my site, brianroland.com about building a, an impact business, a social mission around your business. I've done all that with a 50-50 business partner who is my brother. And I've navigated complex uh, situations with, with many other business owners over the years. So I'm, I'm very excited about this topic. And last year, I actually stepped out of the way in the business and hired a CEO to run the business because we hit that point where my style of leadership was really no longer what the business needed. And that was a step that was very important for the business's future growth and has turned out to be very healthy for me as an entrepreneur uh, as well. And so, again, all part of the same conversation today. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Excellent. So and I also want to let you know, both Brian and Monique, that we have an audience member, a listener who is going to be, you know, digging in on everything that you're saying, you know, listening keenly to ask a question at some point. And that's Omar Ewing. And he's going to be asking a question of you both. So um, I don't know who is ready to start in terms of what do you think about the topic? What is your position? Let's hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's a good opportunity for the lady to go first. Okay, well, Brian, you already get some cool points over here. <laughs> uh, so here's my thing. Uh, we're never going to find a perfect partner, right? We're never going to find perfection. It just doesn't exist. Um, and when it comes to business relationships or partnerships or even just collaborations in general, my view is that it's almost like a marriage. You know, um, you are going to learn as you grow but there are some things that you can do to make it more successful or more effective. And I'll tell you that I have had my share of failed uh, partnerships. And each time that I look at the failures in them, it was because there were conversations that needed to happen that didn't happen right up front. So a lot of the things that could be avoided in uh, conflicts or having communication style conversations, even understanding level of commitment. You know, there are, there are basic things that we can have upfront to make sure that the partnership is much more successful. But it is my view and my take that when you have a strong collision of values, you need to make the best decision to remove yourself from that partnership because it's only a matter of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Brian. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that point of view. I'm, I'm going to discuss why I think it's valuable to stay and, and, and stick it out. Um, 
at its most basic level, leadership should be coming from a place of humility. And um, leaders, leaders who are able to demonstrate humility should, should really have the fortitude and resilience to press forward. And, and look, if, if, if they don't have that personal development characteristic to, to stick it through a difficult relational situation, how are they going to navigate the ups and downs of their business, especially as they're getting into big decisions uh, like future mergers, acquisitions, bringing in outside capital, bringing in outside investors, where you really are unequally yoked um, as soon as you bring in large numbers of external people that you really have no control over and who do have some insight and control over you. And so your core business uh, partner needs to be someone that you're willing to stick it out with. Now, with that to say, I completely agree with what you what you said before. There's so many nuances. And at a certain point where something becomes toxic and it starts to become um, increasingly unhealthy um, for you personally and the other person is is really unreachable in these situations because a lot of times leaders don't demonstrate this and you have a prideful leader you have an arrogant leader you have someone that is just not open to a different point of view you also have to be um, humble enough to let go and I, and I think that's where the balance of this conversation comes in I love the analogy of the eagle that caught too big of a fish and it was it was it was too proud of its catch to let it go and the fish drug it down and it drowned in the lake. And none of us need to be that eagle leader that's too proud to let go, yet we all should be the leader who's proud of our catch and willing to do our best to get it up out of the water. Mm -hmm. So Ryan, let me let me piggyback on what you said earlier that you had to step away and let your brother come in in the company as CEO, right? At what point did you recognize that you know this could be detrimental to the company if I continue to lead, even though you recognize that you don't have those skills that are necessarily to uh, needed to take the business to the next level, right? At what yeah. point did you recognize that? Yeah, it's like so. In my specific situation, I've always been the idea guy. And so um, we've been running Abenity for 13 years. And really every 15 to 18 months, there was a new idea that was being spun up and it was being rolled into what we do. Um, I was, was going through a, a, a pattern of content and connecting. You know, I build new content and then I'd connect and I'd, I'd sell it. And that was that was the rhythm that we had for a long time. And we were able to go fast. Um, the team, you know, we, we've never taken outside funding. And so my brother and I were able to move very fast, but the, the ideas that I, that I had continued to, they required ongoing maintenance and every, so every idea got heavier and heavier. And so execution got harder and harder and slower and slower, but my mind did not slow down and change. And I generally would hand it off after we launched it and, and the team would build it. And so I was still able to operate at a, at a brisk speed. And, and we got to the point where the team wasn't, but we had the financial resources to still pursue the idea. Our big mistake was really we took the idea outside of our core team and we started a new entity, um, which began to create drag on the team. It didn't have the same culture. And ultimately that entity was that fish that 
I was so into catch. I was so proud of catching, but it was dragging me down and starting to take the team down when they're supposed to be separate. And I chose to let go. Um, and taking a look at the landscape and learning from that experience, I, I really had the choice to do that again with, you know, it just leading to the same scenario or saying maybe now, maybe we, we don't need as aggressive of new initiatives and maybe we need to pour more into what's already working, um, optimizing, refining. Um, my team started asking for things that I personally can't stand, like performance reviews. Um, my, my, my team wanted, I was like, no, I'm, you don't just see what I'm doing. That's my review is the way it's working. Like if I stop performing, you'll know, like was not everybody feels that way. They're like, Oh, I'd like some feedback on how I'm doing. Um, and that wasn't my thing. They started wanting, uh, this thing called an agenda. They wanted an agenda before our meetings so that they could prepare in advance. And I was like, Oh, we, we don't do agendas. We, we've got this. We, we're experts. We know what we're doing. They're like, yeah, we'd still like an agenda. And so there's just this awareness. They're like, hey, we need some insurance policies. I'm like, oh, no, come on. Like, who's making money from insurance policies? Not us. And so they're like, yeah, but we have to have them. So I very quickly realized that the needs of the business were no longer my areas of passion or strengths. And so I could leave myself in that and force myself to go through it and, and really hurt, hurt my personal health and kind of my team would notice I wasn't as passionate about those things. Or I could look for a leader. There are people that are excited about all these things. Their personality likes these kind of things. And so I could look for people whose strength areas fell in line with what we needed and equip them to do it. Ultimately, that, that, that decision freed me up so that I'm, I'm here speaking with you today and and using some lessons learned and some energy that I have to to help fellow entrepreneurs and leaders uh, kind of navigate these same complex situations. Good for you, Brian. And that I'm sure took humility. No, Monique, you had mentioned earlier that you've had your fair share of failed partnerships and so on. And you are, you know, a communications expert. You are an emotional intelligence expert. So first of all, um, what are some of those signs that you would have seen that, hey, this is not going to work out? And how, you know, what kind of a thought process had to go into, let's call this thing quits? Sure. And I, I want to say even before I get into that, so Brian is is displaying insane emotional intelligence, okay? So... <laughs> 80% of those business partnerships that fail, they fail because that's missing, right? They fail because that awareness, that level of awareness is missing. And, and for me, so I could tell you one of the stories where I got into a partnership where I was subcontracting. Uh, we were involved in some government contracts and I was a subcontractor of a subcontractor of a prime vendor, and I didn't really know the prime vendor, but the person that I subbed under knew them pretty well. And so I just assumed I took on the, the notion that, OK, if this person knew them well, I would just go along with basically, you know, the, the view, the relationship that was existing, et cetera. Plus, it was a great opportunity for me. And so um, because we had that connection and we had a friendship prior, there were some basic things that I ignored. I didn't have those, um, you know, honest, open conversations 
about the values, about timeliness, about you know allocation of work. And even those things you can work through. There are things that you can work through that come up if you have the right skills and the tools, or if you don't have the skills or tools, you have somebody who can facilitate those conversations for you, right? Things are gonna come up, being able to move through them, they can happen and you'll be still be successful. But the thing that was very difficult for me is because uh, two years, about almost 18 months, two years into the project, the client called and we had this all hands call meeting. Well, I was already doing extremely well, you know, great work for them. And I was like, they're just getting ready to extend. They're getting ready to talk about the great work that we're doing. And I pulled over to the side of the road because I was driving during the time we were having it. My colleague was out of the country at the time. And so we got on the bridge line and I was listening to the updates, listening to the questions. And as the client started asking questions, they were asking about you know, billing questions specifically. Now keep in mind, I'm the sub of the sub of the prime, okay? So I have no visibility into what's happening at the prime level, what they're sharing with the client. We just have two levels of meetings and conversations um, when it comes to those aspects. And so they started asking questions about the people that were working on the project with me. This project, that part of the project, there was no one working on that element with me. And so I was listening and I was getting very confused about, you know, the people they were referencing, who they were being billed for. And it took me a little while, but then I realized that what was happening was the prime uh, contractor was billing for two additional fictitious people that didn't exist. I mean, it's a real thing. It happens. These things happen. Two people that didn't exist, but I was the one that was leading that part. And so I was responsible for it. The questions were being directed to me. I did not say anything on that call because I was like, well, I don't know what's really going on. I don't know how deep this is. Maybe I'm going to have to pay all this stuff back. What's really happening? And so the value of dishonesty is something that paralyzed me in this relationship. It ended when I reflect on everything that happened. I didn't speak up then, but lessons learned, right? If, if it were to happen again, and I encourage people now to speak up because the things that I were afraid of, not getting another opportunity for that client, not having them return my calls and my emails, all of those things that I feared happened. Mm -hmm. And so it happened and I left with that feeling. So for me, I say having the upfront conversations. Now I have clients where they're getting ready to partner in their business and they don't have those conversations. The excitement, the energy is high. They're like, this is a great idea, but they have no idea that they need to sit down and have someone facilitate these conversations. What are we gonna do when the conflict arises? How are we gonna handle when one of us isn't, isn't pulling our weight? How are we gonna present ourselves to the client? What if one of us gets incapacitated? What if, what if, what if we don't have the passion anymore? Like Brian, like that's a collision of value. If you don't have the passion, will we agree to remove ourselves from the situation? Let it go. So these are questions and an approach that I suggest for people to have prior to those conversations. I don't care how small the collaboration or the partnership is. Um, I mean, the data speaks for itself. Mergers and acquisitions, a lot of them fail. Business partnerships fail. Uh, marriages, a lot of them fail because 
these types of conversations are non-existent and we don't know how to have them on our own. And we're not proactively looking out for people like myself who can help to facilitate the conversations for them. Mm-hmm. So, oh, lovely. I, I love that example that you gave money. Perfect. So what are some of those signs that, you know what, although I'm enthusiastic about this, perhaps it's just not going to work out. What are some of those signs that you can pick up on prior to you getting, you know, hitting rock bottom? Me or Brian? Both of you. You, you just take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just finished talking, so I want to give some air time to Brian. Well, I wanted to first um, commend you for those insights. And I, and I think it, it lands into kind of the formula what, for what I believe really av- avoids this situation. And, and so, and that's really having a why for your business that's outside of your brand. Um, it's outside of your products. It's outside of your services. It's outside of your leadership team. Um, it's outside of the money that's coming into your pocket because all of those things will disappear and will fail you and will not work out at some point in any successful business. And if your why is stuck in any one of those things, well, you are going to have a massive impact. You're going to take a massive blow to what powers your energy and enthusiasm. And so for us sponsoring the kids um, along the way and having an output to uh, this cause for every input into the business, we always had a why that was bigger than ourselves. Uh, When 2020 was super hard because half of our business comes from theme park sales and, and movie ticket sales and these things that just dried up, we, we were fighting to keep the revenue coming in to sponsor the kids. And our whole team was, was focused on that. And so um, we really broke down uh, part of what I've been doing in the last year and a half uh, being kind of in a founder role is, is breaking down this why that has powered our team, uh, which has already been hard to power because they're fully remote. And so reaching a building healthy culture in a remote team is already, already super hard. And um, we really broke it down into five planning steps that you just need to have as a business. I, I put it together in what I call the impact plan. And it's, a, it's just a free PDF I've got out there that you can download. And I can, I can throw the, the text number to get that at, at some point. But having that impact plan in place aligns you and your partner and your whole team to navigate these tough situations. So that no matter what you're fighting about together and disagreeing about together, you always have something bigger that you're fighting toward together. And, and you're completely right, Monique, that, that takes work on the front end in anticipation of the hard times on the back end. And a, and a lot of the things that I've, I've seen go south um, are because of that front end work. Now, to answer the question, Hanneke, what are, what are some of the warning signs uh, that, that things are kind of going, going south. Well, you know, it comes down to, it comes down to trust. I mean, it's, it's generally trust is being broken. And so it's any of the same warning signs where that you would see in in life that kind of where you're, you're just like, nah, something's, something's feeling off. But in my experience, a a big, big warning sign um, that's very common is the pace of the leadership increases at a speed that is different than the speed of the team's, the culture of your team. And wow. so say that again, that's huge. Say that again. So the, the leadership or the leader's speed, their momentum uh, 
starts moving at a pace that's much, much faster than what it has historically been. It's more aggressive. And so you're like, well, what lit that fire? And so contentment, um, contentment generally isn't powered um, by aggression. Con contentment is powered by a plan, right? Now, you can be aggressive with your plan and you can be shooting for outer space uh, and still be content in what you're doing and aggressive with your plan. The moment that the momentum of the plan that's in place does not match the momentum of the leadership or the leader, I think that is your first warning sign. Um, the, the moment the leader starts putting their eyes on things that are external instead of things that are inter internal, I, I think that's a major warning sign. Right. And what you have done, I've seen based on your example that you've given earlier, Brian, is that rather than calling it quits, you found a way to 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 work around it and navigate that, you know, um, for example, you stepping away and giving that that, that seat to your brother. So yep. that's commendable. It is now time for us to hear from our listener, Omar Ewan. I'm going to invite Omar on just so he can ask his question, tell a little about himself and ask ask away. Hi, Omar, tell us a little about yourself. Welcome. Hey, um, thank you. Thank you, Henrika. And thank you, guys. Excellent points. I'm loving it. Um, so uh, my name is um, Listra Omar Ewan. Um, I am an artist, um, a singer, a performer. I'm actually here in Atlanta, by the way, I'm Monique. Oh, uh, it's Atlanta. <laughs> yes, I did some performances here over the weekend. And I'm also starting a nonprofit organization back in the Virgin Islands, as well as we're opening a performing arts theater there. And so, of course, I'm learning a lot about business real fast. And so these pointers are really jumping out to me and they're very helpful so far. So that's just a little bit about me. Um, you know, I'm getting ready to really do more on the music side as well as performing arts and just um, really diving into business in levels I've, I've not, um, you know, before. It's great to meet you. Likewise, likewise. I'm loving well, it. I started in Nashville and I'm a horn player. So you uh -oh. you need you need a horn line. Give me a call, man. I'm ready. Right. I'll, be, I'll, I'll put your number on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> so go right ahead with your question, yeah? Good right. networking awesome. going on right here. Yes. <laughs> your business matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, so my first question is, um, I think it was money that mentioned authenticity. Um, and so my question is, what characteristics um, do you look for in a, a, in, your, in your partner as it relates to, you know, good authentic, authenticity? Oh, you said, are you asking me? Um, yes. So I'm going to repeat the question. So what um, characteristics do you look for in a partner which helps with um, authenticity to make sure you get authenticity, especially when you're starting out in business? Okay. So first of all, I'm not a fan of the word authenticity because I think it's overplayed <laughs> and it creates so much confusion, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm looking for when I'm looking for a partner, I'm looking for an alignment of their, I'm looking for their skills. So I want to audit their skills and audit my skills to see how we can best partner. I don't want someone who is going to do the exact same thing as me because I know that innovation is, is founded in diversity, right? We can be more innovative. We can be more impactful. 
um, when we have diversity of skills, you can see things that I can't see. I can see things that you can't see. I'm also looking for um, cultural, cultural understanding. Um, I wanna know your views and your values on things such as simple as time, timeliness, punctuality. Um, we can start small. I don't think we have to jump right into something big, but it's almost like a courting relationship. So we can start with a small project. We see how we do that. We can graduate to something bigger and then we can move on to something even greater. So I'm looking for your, your, your views on how you have an understanding of business because everything that we do is colored through our perspective, through our exposure, through the way that we were raised. So I want us to sort of understand, okay, what's normal for you? How does this scenario or situation, uh, how would you interpret this? What would you do or how would you respond to that? After I look at the skills and have a conversation about you know, your understanding of business, I also want to know about what is important to you, what what is driving you, what's exciting you, you know, because those are things that if we can make sure we can tap into fulfillment as we're building this project or business or collaboration, it's just going to allow us to uh, be more successful. And most importantly, I'm looking for transparency and honesty. If you say you're going to do something, do you do it? And if you do it, do you do it with integrity or do you do it haphazardly? And that goes the same for me. I'm also looking for someone who can say, hey, what you did was wrong. I don't want a yes person around me. I mean, I value feedback to the highest degree because it's so rare. And many people don't have someone in their life who is able to be honest with very constructive feedback so that you can grow. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, if you haven't developed that sort of emotional awareness to be comfortable saying you know, exactly what you feel, then that's gonna be a challenge for both of us. So those are some of the things that I look for to see if someone is in alignment with what they say they wanna do and how they wanna work with me. Okay. Uh, I love that. Can I piggyback on that just a little yes, bit? Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a million reasons that partners and especially inside a marriage can disagree, but there's only there's only a few reasons that they should separate. And and you want to foster and culture uh, a culture of of disagreement for for the for the reasons Monique just set out. You you want to have a team that's going to bring new angles. And in fact, that's one thing that my brother and I always do well and why we're good partners. We look at the world from very different points of view and we come to very different conclusions. And so we kind of mesh in the middle. Um, and so that, that's been, that's been healthy. Um, I really like the way that you threw authenticity out the door because it's just, it's a word like when you're talking to uh, a salesperson and they say, let me be honest with you. You're like, uh, the fact that you're saying, let me be honest with you. Or honestly, if they say like, it's a trigger word, it's like, uh -huh. that must, <laughs> what's that mean about the rest of your statements? The, uh, so, so authenticity can, can get pretty murky, but yes, transparency is, is such a key one. Um, Looking for equality in your partnerships uh, is, I think, very key. The other person's motivations. And, and this can get really tricky, especially if you have a, a financer behind you. They're like, hey, I'll give you the money, but you do all the work. You're like, well, where does the value lie in that? And especially if they're looking for equal, if they're looking for more than equal um, control, then 
you really need to take a hard look at that. Um, against a lot of advice, um, my brother and I are 50-50 partners, which means we could have a gridlock where we could really get stuck. Um, and, you know, this whole 49-51 uh, that people recommend is like that's that is an unhealthy relationship. That's like a prenup on the front end where you're like saying on the you're like, you know, I'm all in. But if I'm not, I've got a parachute and you don't. <laughs> it's, it, it's not a healthy start and when it and so um i've got a friend who had two two buddies um that went on a business in on a business with him they each took 25 percent, 20 and then he took 50 percent. however there was three voting rights and they owned two of the three even though he had 50 percent ownership and so he got the boot one day because they weren't happy about whatever. And they're like, we voted you out. You're like, wait, what? I own half the company. And it's like, yeah, you'll get your 50% pay, but we're, we're selling or whatever. And so on the front end, when you're having the conversations and equality is not a piece of the puzzle, like your radar needs to fly way up and you need to make sure that you're the, you know, if you're in a, a, a kind of three partner situation, that's that's dangerous because two out of three can vote. So you got to you got to really consult with people to say, how do we structure this so that it's fair? Um, and then, you know, building building your business with, you know, 80 percent of the business coming from one source or a business partner that has another business and they're your biggest customer and they want to help fund your next business. And they, they're like, I just want 20 percent, your 80 percent, but they represent 100 percent of your revenue. That's not equal. So you need to look at equality from, you know, voting rights, um, from actual ownership of stock, from influence on on revenue, on what's what's coming in the door. Uh, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of warning signs. I, also kind of in this whole picture, I think it's important to say that in any situation, um, when when something goes wrong, uh, forgiveness should always be free, but trust is always earned. And so once that trust is broken, I mean, you can step back in, but you're to, if you decide to stay in the business when trust has really been broken, well, it, it doesn't mean that you're stepping back in without new rules of engagement. And so you go back into the business with like, uh, we're going to stick this out. I'm not going to make this difficult on you, but you're going to have to earn my trust as a partner back. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Omar. Lister yeah. Omar. Um, and this has been so thought provoking. And it, guess what? We are almost out of time. And so I have a question, though. Um, <laughs> well, let's see if we have time for this, Omar. <laughs> squeeze it in. All right. So, um, um, Brian, you mentioned about sticking it out when um, things get really tough or, or toxic. Um, I recently ex exited a toxic situation, um, you know, from a previous job. And one of the questions that was asked by many of my team members, you know, are you sure you're jumping the ship too soon? As a matter of fact, I was even called back in to have a meeting with the board after my resignation. And the question was asked, you know, did I do enough before? Um, how soon do you decide um, that it's time to jump ship? Or how severe does the toxicity need to become before you decide I'm out of here? You can actually have my job because that's, that's a great question. Go right ahead. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great question. And, if you know, I think there's almost like a, 
a thousands year old biblical kind of answer that's like when there's a disagreement um you go one-on-one with the person with the situation and you bring it up and you address it and if that doesn't address it then you take a step back and you realize okay it's like am i in the right is my position am i truly being wronged here is this truly unhealthy if so well then you you kind of you don't go back alone kind of the next time like you you take another you take another attempt but but more in an advisory kind of role and a lot of times this is where a third party comes in and so if you're an employee this is much harder because you've got levels of leadership above you and you can't just be like hey um you know i know you're paying me thirty dollars an hour um i'm pretty unhappy and you didn't address it last time so i hired a third party a consultant to come in and sit down with us and arbitrate. And they're like, who are you? Like, no, you're fired. <laughs> like, but, but if you're in a business partnership or you're at a leadership level, well, then I think it's time to say, hey, look, this is this is affecting me. It's affecting my work. It's affecting my health. And um, and it's time to address that. And And I think 10 years ago, if you went into your boss and you said, Hey, hey, look, I, I think that I would be more productive at work if you allowed me to prioritize my personal life above my work life. Well, they're going to look at you and be like, what are you talking about? But in today's remote world where a lot of your work is being governed by your home and in your own environment, um, us leaders should be allowing our people to personalize their to prioritize their personal lives over their work lives so that their work will be more productive. And it takes a whole lot of trust and respect to do that, but we should be monitoring output of performance, not activity of when did they clock in and when did they clock out and how many emails are unread in their inbox. Like those aren't the right metrics. And so to answer your question, I I think there's multiple attempts of reconciliation. I think finding a third party to get involved must happen before you fully call it quits or you haven't quite done enough at the top leadership ownership level. If you're just at an employee, if you're an employee and there's other opportunities and you don't have a lot at stake, then I think it's it's better to protect your personal health and move on and kind of not burn any bridges so that there's future things there and be able to walk into that meeting with humility and say, you know, I feel like I tried. Um, I'm willing to listen to your point of view now, but it felt like it'd be more unhealthy for me to lean into that and 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 walk through it as an employee than just saying I, you know, I I need to move forward for my own personal health and my family's health. Well, thank you so much. You wanted to weigh in on that quickly, Monique? Very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to bring it back home to the value conversation. So, uh, Omar, don't wait for anything to become severe before you make a decision. If you have your value system aligned, it will help you filter and make decisions very quickly because you've spent the time again up front. And if you haven't done it up front, you could always enlist an outside party like a coach hello, um, to help you think through what those things are. And this is not just for business, even if you are an employee, if you are a leader, if you are in a friendship relationship. For example, I have a lot of requests for people that ask me to come on their show, do partnerships, projects. 
sometimes you have to say no. But what makes it easier is having that simple, it doesn't have to be complex, three questions. Will this allow me to spend more time with those that I love? Will this contribute in a greater way to society? Will it be fun? And if mm -hmm. I can look at that opportunity and go quickly down my decision-making value system filter list, then the decision should be very easy. Too many thank, times we thank wait. Thank God. Th sorry to interject there, but thank God that this podcast checked those boxes, huh? Yes. <laughs> those boxes. Yes. It's contributing to society. Yeah. Hello. It's fun. <laughs> and it's going to help me spend more time because guess what? It's a business show. But oh, I'm just really? saying set the value system up front. It's never too late. Don't wait until you're on your deathbed in the hospital or you know, we wait until we are crippled to make a decision. So that's my two yeah. cents. Oh, and thank yeah, you and, so much. Thank you so nobody's much. Nobody's gonna be that. on that deathbed wishing that they had just, you know, stuck it out another two weeks and tried to reconcile. Like now mm -hmm. you're gonna be like, no, I you know, I should have made the right decision sooner. When you see the writing on the wall. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this has been so insightful. But before we finally wrap, right, I want to get from you. Thank you, Omar, for your question. You can just stay on. Uh, mm -hmm. Before we wrap, what I want to get from both your, yourself, Monique and Brian is some takeaways for our audience members who are business owners, you know, or solopreneurs or just contemplating entrepreneurship as they're thinking about navigating partnerships, whether it is getting their advisor board or their board of directors or business partners, what are some of the top considerations that they should be making right now before finalizing and, you know, and putting those things um, in ink, stamping, stamping those things in ink in terms of partnerships? So I just say have make sure I have the basics, you know, your legal team, your your accountant team, um, build it, build your org chart for you may not have everybody now, but build it out for the future. Right. Think about it 20 years down the line and build it out from there. And that will help you to determine not just the type of people or the titles that you want in the role, but what types of energy, what types of um uh, communication styles, what, what type of personalities would be best suited. And that way, when you're looking and you're networking and you're, you're tapping your mentors, you have a more um, strategic conversation about how you go about building your team. Thank you. I, I and you, Brian. That. I love that. And, and to step back further, as this is like plan your impact, right? So a lot entrepreneurs are generally generous people and they have they have a plan to give but they don't make a giving plan and because they mm -hmm. haven't planned their impact they don't have that core purpose and without that core purpose how can they press through the hardest of times yes. and, and really i found that core purpose needs to be outside your product services and your brand and so that's why we put together the impact plan that was kind of this model of what we did that that worked and then what you're doing is you're creating meaningful work for yourself. You're creating meaningful work for your team, which is aligning your team around a shared purpose, which is, which is building a community around your brand, which are all great marketing things. And at the end of the day, you look up and you've created a competitive advantage in your industry because people are drawn to your brand, not because of what your products and services are doing, but because of what you're, what you stand for. And so I want people to get that impact plan. So you, you can text the word impact to my number and you'll get an auto response with the PDF. And that, that number is area code 
802-6853. Text the word impact. You'll get the PDF. You can fill it out for your own company. You can sit around it with your partners and your team and say, hey, how can our business create an output to a cause with every input into the business? And, and just to want to touch on something cool about that. We did that a decade ago. And I got an email from World Vision, which is the group that we use for um, our, our humanitarian work. That they told me, they're like, I don't know if you think this is going to be good news or bad news, but, but you can kind of see over my shoulder right here. These are faces of dozens of kids that we sponsored. We got the email that said, we have lifted this community in Senegal out of extreme poverty. People are no longer walking five miles for clean water. The kids are in school. They're not helping take care of their parents. We are exiting this community, which means 116 of the kids you're sponsoring um, have graduated and we need to find you 116 more kids to sponsor. And this community has become sustainable through microfinance and clean water and healthcare and education and all the thing, the foundational things that World Vision does to help do that. And so um, when you get to a point that you have that as your core, as what you're fighting for, you can navigate anything in any tough situation and you can, you can stick through it with the business and be ah. do so. You know, I love, I love how you just brought that home so nicely, Brian. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is why you stay. Like, it doesn't matter what we're going, we're going to stick this out. I love it. <laughs> but there's plenty of reasons why you should go. So there's there are plenty of Oh my God. Why did you reasons. go there? Just end on that note, right? Let Monique come and defend herself right now. <laughs> All right, Monique. So um, Brian has kind of shared with us, you know, through his um, his text line and stuff, how we can get in touch with him. How can we get in touch with you, Monique, for further consideration? Absolutely. So I am a LinkedIn lady. So reach out to me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, your clear communication coach. Don't hit the follow button. Just make sure that you send a connection request. Let us know that you listen to this show and you enjoyed it. And I will definitely make sure to uh, bring you into my network. You can also get to my website at clearcommunicationsolutions.com. Fill out anything on that site to be a part of the email community. I send out strategies, updates, events to help you become a more effective leader, not just at home, but also at work. Absolutely. It, this has been Your Business Matters. And of course, my guests today have been Monique Russell, who is, of course, an emotional intelligence coach and a communications expert, rather, as well as Brian Roland, who is the founder, a founder with Abenity, a six times Inc. 5000 company. Thank you so much, both Brian and Monique. And to you, Lister Omar Ewan, for listening and um, asking your questions, plural. <laughs> you know, I'm a natural questioner. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, thank you or to our community for listening to Your Business Matters, a production of Exim Bank Jamaica in partnership with me, Henneke Watkins-Porter of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I sincerely hope that this episode gave you some pointers when it comes on to, you know, forging partnerships within business or, you know, whether you're looking business partners or you're looking to take on board of directors or whatever it is. We hope that this was insightful for you. Remember, 
to join us next week for another informative and educational and fun episode as we help you to move closer towards your business goals. To stay in touch or to learn more about Exim Bank, visit eximbankja.com. In the meantime, subscribe to our podcast via your favorite podcast app. Your business matters, bringing the matters to the table because your business does matter. As you continue to mind your own business, I leave with you a quote from Peter Drucker. The most important thing in communication is hearing what isn't said. Do enjoy the rest of your day. Mm -hmm.